0: Welcome to episode seven of the Insider Podcast. On this episode, we discussed a crazy couple of weeks in Major League Baseball with a bunch of surprises in all the divisions for the most part. And just a disclaimer, we recorded this on Thursday, April 22nd before a great game by Glaber Torres, because in this episode, we had a really good discussion about Glaber and our opinions on how he's been playing so far, But um, and then he had a follow-up of a great game. So it's all coming up next on the Inside Insider Podcast. So yesterday the Oakland Athletics went on a walkoff 12 to 11 and they win their 11th straight game and it was a crazy Finish. Oh yeah, man. At least,
1: yeah. This is the Oakland A's team that definitely kind of got off to a slower start than I think people were expecting. Like I think prior to this streak, they were only like what one and seven. So I mean, oh it just seven. goes to sh- oh and seven. So it, there you go. It just goes to show that like a team can have a great, you know, two week stretch and just ultimately turn their season around. So I love to see it from the Oakland A's. They've always been kind of one of those grinded out ball clubs that you know they're not going to go out and get the big free agents. They're not going to go out and make the big trades. But uh they've got some guys who can scrape it together and get it done. So I, I love to see that they're doing
0: well. Yeah, that entire division has been really, really crazy. You know, you got the Astros at the bottom of the division, you got the Oakland Athletics at the top of the division, and then you got Seattle just right there trying to get to that first spot with Oakland. Then you got the Angels in the middle and Texas in the middle. You no, know, that nobody expected Seattle to be second place. Nobody expected Houston to be last. You know, Angels and Oakland, you expect to be sort of a toss-up. The Rangers, you know, they're probably towards the bottom anyway. But yeah, Oak, the Oakland Athletics winning 10th, 11th straight is crazy to me, especially since they lost um, their best real free agent signing in Trevor Rosenthal. And they also traded for a guy that's been on decline for the past five years or so, Elvis Andrews. And it's just, cr- I don't know, they have some sort of magic in Oakland for some, like, it's such a crappy t- stadium too hey listen no. man the green they're and gold invested. are putting they're... it
1: together they are putting it together and, and i think kind of like you touched on with the mariners i mean this is a team that like we, we thought was probably a few years out from competing and uh they started the year out with a guy like kyle lewis on the il and now that he's back the team's starting to roll a little bit they're seven and three of the last ten uh they could be making some noise early in the season and I think for for a good early season stretch they're definitely uh they're definitely playing above expectations that I think a lot of folks had for them. Yeah, so I, I guess the real question now is like are the Mariners going to be a team that's able to sustain like the whole 162 grind or is this just like an early flash in the pan that's going to eventually fade out?
0: Personally, I think it's going to fade out at some point, but this is promising for the for the ball club and the front office with how great of a start they're going off to, you know, um Especially after that fallout from the CEO, former CEO of Kevin Mathers, you know they wanted to show they're wanting to prove the Marners wrong. You know they want to prove that hey, with this, with the core that we have right now, we can still win. And you know they want they want to push the front office to promote their young guys. So at some point, I do think they're going to start fading away. But this this starts really great for them because, like I said, now they're going to they're going to possibly force the front office to bring up their young guys, try to keep that re reenergy in there, or whatever, whatever the word is.
1: Well, and sort of staying on that vein right there, yeah, I think, you know, this is going to get the fan base excited, like, and kind of like you touched on, there's more guys on the way, right? So they have guys like Jared Klinik, who aren't really far in the wings, waiting to come up and ready to contribute on a big league ball club. And so, I mean, like, let's just say the Mariners finish this year... Under 500, I think that this is at least a step in the right direction, showing that like, hey, there is some competitive baseball out in Seattle, and we got more troops on the way that are, are going to be here within maybe like the next year, two years, uh, that can really push that ball club into contention in the AL West.
0: All right, so staying to AL West, another shocking thing that we talked we talked about was the Houston Astros in last place. They had a rough go about in this, during the season, even without fans there. And then the postseason, they took off, and did amazing. And then now, starting out this season, they're struggling. And you got to wonder: Is it because of the fans booing them and bringing, and it's just getting in their head, and they're trying to shut up the fans by doing a little bit too much?
1: Yeah, and and you, uh, I agree with you that the fans are definitely going to play a role in this situation. I think not having them last year, they still weren't that great of a team. I, I believe they were the only like team to make the playoffs without a winning record. So it goes to show, I guess how the regression's already beginning. And when you go, when you lose a guy like George Springer, Verlander's already out for the year. Like, I, I don't know. They have some promising pieces, but I don't know as a collective unit if they are – they're not the Astros of, like, 2017. But they had a pretty commanding series lead over uh, over Tampa Bay, and they mowed through Oakland, and they they beat some good teams. So while, while I think it's still a good ball club, and I, I don't think right now they're playing to that potential – uh, if if, if you the record they're only they're seven and ten. so I mean they're only under 500 by about three games. you know you have one good weekend and you go ahead and patch that up. Uh, their last 10, they're one and nine so I don't think that that's gonna carry for the rest of the year. but I, I do think the fans are gonna play a role man because like I mean picture what it's gonna be like when they come into Yankee Stadium. You know, or they go to L.A. I don't know that they play the Dodgers this year, but you like imagine they start going to like these hostile ballparks and, and what's it actually going to be for them? And, and how you really get the momentum streak going if every ball, ballpark you, you travel to, you're getting throughout at the building?
0: Yeah. And then I believe the Yankees play the Astros coming up in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we saw how the Astros got treated when they did Angels in L.A., you know, those two fan, there was their fans throwing the blow-up trash trash cans onto the field. And this up this upcoming series is going to be huge for Houston because this is their chance to keep climbing in the division against the Angels. And they're at home in Houston, which gives them an advantage there because now they're going to have fans cheer them on. So this is a big series coming up for them. Let's move on to the AL Central.
1: Yeah, how about the AL Central? I mean, do you think that, you know... Opening day, if I'm sitting here and we're, we're, you know, recording episode of the and I'm going to tell you, hey, man, by April 22nd, the Kansas City Royals are going to be the first place team in the AL Central.
0: How? Uh, How
1: You would believe me. (laughs) There's no way.
0: I wouldn't believe you. Yeah, I would have thought it would be the Twins or the White Sox or actually any other team besides the Royals. Although if you look at it, it's not too shocking because it did improve a lot more than last season. You know, they brought in Carlos Santana. They brought in um, Andrew Benatendi. They brought in like got a lot of good pieces to like have an exciting team on the field and put an exciting product on the field. But yeah, I, you wouldn't. I would have never thought for them to be in first place, and I'm sure yeah, a lot man. of fans wouldn't expect that either.
1: And I guess as like a Kansas City fan, you gotta love it. They like because like on paper, this appears to be a pretty good team, and, and it may not be like the sexy names like the uh, the Luis Roberts or like the. Or like these like superstar talent, but I mean they've had some guys coming out of the farm system for the last couple of years that are now starting to make it to that big league level. And although they may not be like the sexy names, these are some productive ball players out there. It doesn't matter what the name is, as long as they can go out there and win ball games, it's just that's all you need. So uh, I'm glad to see, I guess, the rebuild appears to be coming towards a end. And now we can get finally get some exciting baseball out in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, you got Brady Singer that's coming up, that's coming out with a good season so far and then you got Jackson Kowar. So yeah that team's getting ready to the rebuild starting to end. And you still got that veteran in Salvador Perez that just signed this extension. He's been really productive so far. Five homers, two seventy nine batting average. And you know they're they're a very talented ball club. And they're definitely not more talented than the White Sox and stuff, but when once it's, once the season's all said and done, they'll they're gonna be competitive throughout the entire year. You know, they're gonna give each of the teams the run for their money.
1: Oh yeah, I think this is just the beginning of us seeing some competitive baseball out in Kansas City, and I am absolutely here for it. Because although ben Anthony looked really good in Red Sox uniform, he looks even better in those baby blue Kansas City uh, uniforms.
0: Baby blue is such a good color, man. Like I love, oh. I love, I love the um, the Blue Jays uniforms, the Cardinals. Yeah, the old school Cardinals uniforms. Yeah, they're really yep. nice.
1: Did you ever see, uh, so I think it was, it must have been 2016, right after the Royals won the World Series, I think they had the baby blue ones with, like, the gold striping on the, on, like, the letters and the numbers. That is, that might be, like, the most beautiful, you know, one I've ever seen. And getting them to be competitive and helping, you know, getting these younger guys comfortable at the big league level.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Dang, see? that looks so yeah. nice.
1: That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to see what Sal Perez can do for for all the young guys coming up because I mean he was a part of that core that did win that World Series, and so uh, I think he's a great veteran presence to have a real, around a young ball club, and I think he's going to be the anchor. You know, being the catcher, being sort of the leader of that squad already, I think he's really going to be a, a huge catalyst. And
0: in- yeah, and then you also car- got Carlos Santana there, who's also been a veteran in the playoffs. So with the Cleveland Indians, so. You've got a veteran presence in there that's already they've been there and done that, so yeah, it's gonna be really nice to see how this all plays out. I still don't expect them to be that high in the division, but at least they're being competitive right now. Staying in the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins are off to a rough start. You know, their offense is there, but their pitching is not. Yeah,
1: definitely underwhelming to see them at like a six eleven. I think they do finish higher than probably I'd say Detroit, and I'd argue even Cleveland, but I mean. To be fair, man, I don't think there's any team in that uh, AL Central that's sort of like a, a rollover team. Whereas, like, it seemed like for the last couple of years, Tigers were in a full rebuild. Kansas City was in a full rebuild. Those were kind of teams you'd sort of just pencil in at the bottom of the, the division. But now both of those teams are starting to bring up their young guys. The White Sox are really competitive. Cleveland, somehow, even though they trade every single good player they ever get, is starting, is like still relatively competitive. And they still have the reigning Cy Young winner on their team. So, I mean, I think if Minnesota doesn't turn the ship around quick, there's there's gonna be a problem. But I do think they probably have one of the more talented teams in that division.
0: Yeah, the the only thing the Indians have going for them right now is their pitching. Their offense is batting two fifteen, which is second to second to last in the AL AL league. So yeah, the only thing they have them go, going for them right now are the Indians. Are are their pitching. <laughs> So the team that they are currently, that's currently in last place in the batting average, are those Yankees. Ah. And talk about a team off to a rough start. Probably the suckiest team in baseball right now.
1: I'm pretty sure. Granted, they're
0: probably the suckiest team. In, yeah. i
1: was about to say I think we have the worst record. No, no, no. Sorry, the Rockies are beating us because they're six and twelve, whereas we are six and eleven. Um, yeah, but
0: here's the, yeah, but with the Rockies though, you expect them to be back with our expectations. We are the suckiest team in baseball. Yeah. When you compare expectations to reality.
1: Yeah, definitely unenthusiastic, and and even from somebody that's religiously watched Yankee games for the last couple of weeks, these have, these have been tough games to watch.
0: Yeah, I turned off the game yesterday after the seventh inning when DJ Mayhew grounded out short It was was loaded. It's been but, tough to watch.
1: And see, but that's kind of been the whole problem, though. Man, is there's no, there's nobody on the Yankees right now who's hot. And, like, typically, I guess you don't want everyone hot at one time because then when everyone goes into a slump, you end up where we are now. But, like, yep. you want to have one or two guys who are at least hot in that lineup so they can sort of, you know, quote-unquote, stop the bleeding. And when you see a guy like DJ who's consistently – it seems like he's grounding out a lot more than usual or, like, rolling over the ball to the third baseman. You know, when he's not set the table, it makes it harder for guys like Judge or Stanton to drive more guys in. Not that they're – not that Stanton's nearly doing his job. But and yeah, especially after last night with the with the Glaber Torres issue where he's just jogging down. It's like listen, when you're when you're losing ball games like the Yankees are, you need to have a little bit of hustle, a little bit more intensity than what than what they're showing.
0: Yeah, that was not a good look for Glaber whatsoever. And you even touched on it, you know, if you're hitting and you're doing well and you're not being a complete liability at your position, then it's okay to cough some slack, you know, like you said, with Robinson Cano. That was fine because, you know, he was actually hitting and playing really good defense. With Glaber, you know, it's just not a good look. He's not hitting. He's he's huge liability at shortstop. And, yeah, it's just not a good look overall for Glaber. And especially with this team underperforming so bad, like, very badly, it's just horrible to watch Watch that guy just, you know, just catch, be nonchalant when not.
1: Well, and I don't think he realizes this because, like, How many years did we hear that guys like Greg Bird were untouchables until all of a sudden they're not untouchable and they get DFA'd or they get released? And I'm not saying it's gonna happen to Glaber anytime soon, but like, just because you have a lot of potential doesn't mean anything. You know, you have to perform to that potential, otherwise it's 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 worthless. And so for a guy like Glaber, who it's like it seems like after 2019, we've kind of just been waiting for him to get back to who he was. But like, if he's not Showing the effort on the field, I think he, the Yankee fans are going to quickly lose a lot of confidence in him and are honestly going to get to the point where they're just ready to move on from it altogether.
0: Yeah, I I would not be surprised if he gets traded in the offseason. I don't think he would because that's not the way the Yankees would like typically operate. But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised either.
1: Well, I mean, think about, I thought about this the other day. What do you think about trading Glaber for Trevor Story? Yeah, honestly, just, yeah. Swap him like that, and I guess you'd just have to bank on re signing Story before he hits uh, the market.
0: Oh, so you're talking about like a trade deadline acquisition of Trevor Story?
1: Yeah, like a one for one. Uh, Glaber goes to Colorado with like, what, three or four years of control left, and then we get Story for for sure half a season, hopefully, with the assumption that we're going to re sign him. I don't know. What do, what do you think on that?
0: Let me check out who's at second, second base for the Rockies right now. Because that's really that's going to be Glaver's position, second base. He can't be a shortstop for much longer unless yeah. you, the Rockies somehow fix him. He's just huge liability at short. But I could see that you know being in in Coors Field would help his his offense a lot more. You, you see him popping out a lot. Sometimes those would be homers in Coors Field with the literally Coors Field effect. Yeah, he would become a better hitter. Yeah, even with the new balls right right now. Yeah, so I could see that one for one, but I think that it would have to be banking on Trevor Story's um, extension, kind of like how the Red Sox traded for Adrian Gonzalez, and it really all mattered if they were able to get Aegon signed an extension first. Yeah. And, and, and I they traded with Padres.
1: That'd be a pretty sick infield, though. Uh, Gio at third, Trevor Story at short, and DJ at second, Luke Void at first. I, I like that more than Glaver for sure, just because like I think Story is more of a. I like the way Story plays the game as opposed to Glaber's, who's like, like we touched on, there's a lack of intensity there right now. Whereas I feel like Story's more of like a a hard nose, grind it, grind it out ball player. So I think he'd do well in New York, but I, I just don't like, I don't know. I think we've been, again, if you take out 2019, we've sort of just been waiting for Glaber to be this like Lindor esque, you know, elite shortstop, and he is just not.
0: And you know the Braves should be second or first, and then the Marlins—they're off to a great start. They're seven and three in their last ten games. Jazz Chisholm is doing amazing. You know, I love that guy, and very, very energetic. And that team is off to a great start. And the Nationals—they just lost Juan Soto to the IL. Um, what are your thoughts on division?
1: Well, just because I, I just I thought this was so cool. Did you see what Jazz Chisholm said to Derek Jeter, or I'm sorry, the one question he had for Derek Jeter?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't see that.
1: So th- apparently he uh, he sees Jeter, and you know most of the guys are just kind of like talking to him, and like uh, they probably have like a pretty standard conversation for how it goes. But then there's Jazz Chisholm who basically walked up to Jeter and said, "How do I become a Hall of Famer?" And it's like I love the mentality on a guy like that so young in his career. The confidence on a guy like that is just – it's huge. It shows a guy right there who's like – who's ready to come out and just put in a lot of work and get better. And, you know, the fact that he's already setting his eyes on the Hall of Fame, it it shows you, I guess, how much he believes in himself to perform. And so I'm I'm interested to see if he actually performs to that expectation. Uh, But regardless, I love the confidence on a guy like that.
0: Man, I did not see that part, man. Sign him to a long-term – lifetime extension right there
1: exactly bro. <laughs> guy with that mentality you kid me
0: in a name like jazz oh yeah <laughs> yeah actually i was listening to his to his episode with um on r2c2 and he talked about how the reason his hair blue is because sandy alcantara said hey if you're gonna make the team out of out of spring training i want you to dye your hair blue behold, he made the team and now he's starting some basement and now his hair is blue <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see the Miami Marlins are starting to get some more recognizable faces and uh, some bigger names on the team. Because I feel like for the last couple of years, it's kind of been a bunch of uh, the who's and the what's. Or like, oh, he's on their team? I remember like Curtis Granson was there at one point. Like, they've gone through a couple cycles. They need some franchise cornerstones to build around it. And I think, you know, I think he's a guy like that.
0: Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to the NL Central, where we got Milwaukee on top, Cincinnati in second. Pittsburgh Cubs and Cardinals. For me, the shocker here is probably the probably Pittsburgh in third place. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is fair.
0: Granted it's only by only a little bit, but yeah, they they're they're doing better than the Cardinals and Cubs, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, and Milwaukee, too,
1: key Brian Hayes has been down for uh, I think like last week or so, so I mean, they're still playing pretty good without one of their best players.
0: Yeah. And then you got Milwaukee on top, you know, they props to them, you know. I did not think the rotation was gonna be holding up after they left after they let um who did it let go. I'm blanking on his name right now. But yeah, I did not expect th- the brewers to be this good and and uh <laughs> I lost my train of thought there.
1: it's <laughs> cool <what I> mean. <laughs> well, to see like that guy called able to up and really uh, you know, building that role of being there early season eight And he's gone and delivered a lot of stars. they needed him. And I think, you know, for me, I guess, from a perspective of surprises, I kind of – looking at the St. Louis Cardinals at the bottom of the division just doesn't sit right with me. I think yeah, they especially have, after you get in. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they have so much talent on that team. They should never even entertain the thought of being last in that division. Uh, it, it is still a tight division, to be fair. I mean, they only three games back. So, I mean – it's it's a pretty tight bunch this early on, but still, I, I think they are they are better than a 500 team.
0: Yeah, especially after getting Arenado, you know, and yeah, and then Yadier Molina's having a great year so far. You know, you expect if Yadier, who's old as dirt, having a great great year, you'd expect the rest of the Cardinals doing well, but that's just not happening right now.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Cincinnati can just uh, keep this from going. Because I mean. They've been a fun ball to, uh, team to watch. And this, I mean, they hit the crap out of the ball. they put up a lot of runs. The pitching, I guess, kind of needs to up a little bit. But the offense, I think, is, is going to outscore any offense in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Also, shout out Jonathan India, my pick for Rookie of the Year. Uh, prior to uh, recording, he just hit his first big league home run. So, the Rookie of the Year campaign continues. He's winning it this year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and then my old rookie of the year pick is on the aisle again. Ah <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Puck. Alright, so moving on to NL West. No shocker. Dodgers aren't first. And then the other shocker probably would be Giants in second place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I-, I agree with that. Uh I will say though, man, having those uh those Dodgers and Padres games, it's like having nineteen uh, like World Series playoff mentality games. Uh, and I, I absolutely love that coming out of the West because it feels like the Dodgers have always just kind of been the big brother of the AL West, or I'm sorry, the NL West, uh, and just kind of bully up on the other teams. But now, I mean, San Francisco has been on a good streak. San Diego is going to give them a run for their money. Like, it's going to be a competitive division. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I really hope the Giants pick up, like, keep playing like this because let's face it, the Diamondbacks and Rockies—they're teams you can sort of just roll over especially the Rockies. So I would love to see the competitiveness between the Dodgers, Giants, and San Diego. And those games were amazing between the Padres and Dodgers over this past last weekend. Although the the Dodgers took out two two out of three, I think it was. And then now they're having another huge series up this upcoming week. And it's going to be great seeing, you know, the pa- Dodgers and Padres are going to be pretty much what the Yankees and Red Sox were back in the in the heydays.
1: Oh, and I love it, man. I love it. I love seeing the intensity from those guys. You see, like, a guy like Kershaw getting fired up. And, I mean, Clayton Kershaw has seen a lot throughout his long tenure being, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And, you know, when you see, like, a guy like him getting fired up, that's how you know these games mean a lot to uh, to that whole team. So, I'm excited to keep watching those games. Like you said, we got another big series this weekend. Um, so, will definitely be tuning into that.
0: Yeah, and some other big series this weekend. We got the Mets and the Nationals. You got the Yankees and the Indians, and then, as we said earlier, the Angels and the Astros. You got the Cardinals and Reds. The Cardinals looking to um, get back on track and winning. And Then you got, and as we said, the Dodgers and Padres. Now, so, if, if there's one day, there.
1: if one day all the listeners need to circle on their calendar, it's going to be Saturday because Saturday you have Derek Cole against Shane Bieber, and I, I don't care if you're not a fan of either the Yankees or the Indians. That's going to be a ball game you're going to want to tune into and just catch two of the best pitchers on the planet going after it, facing each other, you know, mono-e-mono. So that's going to be a hell of a game.
0: Yeah, and two very crap, crappy offenses. You know, you might see it, both pitchers throw a no-hitter, and well, nine-inning no-hitter, and then they have to go two to a stu- stupid extra inning and run and then one of them wins.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, if, uh, really crappy if, if Shane Beeper uh, is walking some dudes, we might not get on base the whole game. 'Cause right now well, the offense is just non existent, say at least.
0: Alright, so well that's been it for the episode seven of the entire Podcast. My name is Elijah here with Sutton.